I'm Pastor Darrell Curtis, and you're listening to the first sermon in my sermon series, The Genuineness of Faith, in which my point is that the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ taught Peter and teaches us that people actually do not die, but rather they simply go somewhere else to live. The following is a presentation of the Family Life Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com. Good morning on this uh, March 3rd of 2013. We're starting a new series this morning uh, in the, from the writings of the Apostle Peter. The title of our new series is The Genuineness of Faith. And in our first part of this sermon series, we'll be using as a text First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 7, which reads, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God bless the reading of his word and let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. And now, our gracious and heavenly Father, be pleased to please let us preach your word. Not for fame or for reputation, but to the end that some might be made better, that some might benefit, that some might believe, and that some might be saved. We thank you, Lord, for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit. And we ask you, Lord, that you would allow him to feed us until we want no more. In the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, thank you for listening and thinking with me as we study God's word to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful an intelligent man. And then our next series of lessons, we are going to analyze the writings of Jesus' apostle, Peter. Now, Peter was the boldest of Jesus' apostles during the heyday of Jesus' ministry, while Jesus was preaching, healing, and raising people from the dead. But Luke chapter 24, verse 7 records that one day, Jesus called a meeting of the apostles to tell them the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Now, Peter did not believe that Jesus' prediction was accurate, not because Peter lacked faith in Jesus, but because Peter planned to take matters into his own hands if anyone tried to harm Jesus. And because filleting fish was Peter's vocation, Peter was a good man with a blade. And Peter was ready to cut on Jesus' behalf. John chapter 18 verse 10 records, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. But Jesus told Peter to stand down. John chapter 18 verse 11 records, So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheet. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And although Jesus stopped Peter, 
Peter still followed the procession that took Jesus to his trial. Peter hoped to have another opportunity to defend Jesus. But when Peter realized that Jesus was allowing himself to be abused by the Jews rather than defending himself, Peter decided that this was as good a time as any to get off Jesus' train to avoid being abused himself. Luke chapter 22 verse 54 through 61 tells us, Having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when the soldiers and the servants had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing Peter as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with Jesus. But Peter denied Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know Jesus. And after a little while, another saw Peter and said, You also are of Jesus' apostles. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about after an hour had passed, Another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow Peter was also with Jesus, for Peter is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while Peter was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, Peter was the boldest of the disciples, but even the boldest of men would wilt under the pressure of the threat of death, especially the death of the cross. And even though Peter had watched with his own eyes as Jesus Christ healed the eyes of the man born blind, healed the man who had been crippled by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, and raised Lazarus from the grave after Lazarus had been dead for four days, Peter chose to not stand with Jesus Christ when to do so meant going to the cross with Jesus. Peter wept at his failure, but Peter did not take the chance that he would suffer Jesus' fate. Now, despite denials, tears, and lack of faith on Peter's part, Jesus Christ still gave himself to the cross. Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on Calvary's cross that our sins might be forgiven and that our for whom Jesus died included Peter. When the angels announced to the women that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, Mark chapter 16 verse 7 tells us that the angels instructed the women, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. And Peter, as the boldest of the disciples, received special mention from the angels. Peter also received special restoration from Jesus Christ. As John chapter 21 verse 15 through 19 records. So when Jesus and the disciples had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Peter said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said to Peter, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This Jesus spoke, signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. And Peter followed. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter gained the knowledge and the incentive to follow Jesus Christ that he did not have when he was busy denying that he knew Jesus in the courtyard of the high priest's palace. Because Peter experienced the result of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ by physically handling the resurrected body of Jesus and speaking with him, Peter knew for a fact, without the shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ was in fact the sinless Son of God. And Peter also knew for a fact that the fear of death that had previously caused him to deny Jesus was baseless. The resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ taught Peter that people do actually do not die. Rather, they simply go someplace else to live. Now there was not a worse torture that a man could suffer than that which Jesus suffered. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved to Peter that the worst that man could do had no permanent effect. Jesus taught Peter and the disciples in Luke chapter 12 verse 4. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who killed the body. And after that have no more that they can do. So the apostle Peter went to work spreading Jesus' gospel because Peter was no longer afraid of death as he had been in the high priest's guard. Peter repented of denying Jesus, became once again the boldest of the disciples, preached and led the church of Jesus Christ, even as Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. But... For each of us, life on earth is finite, and we must all, one day, travel from time to eternity. As Peter's time working in the church was coming to an end, the Holy Spirit empowered Peter to encourage the church with a lasting written message to go along with his power in pulpit preaching and evangelism. Peter began by relating that which God has done for the church. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter emphasized the fact that those that are Christians are begotten again or born again. We are initially begotten meaning conceived and brought into the world by our parents. But the earthly life which our parents have given us is subject to the laws of physics and has a finite time limit. 
Peter emphasized the fact that our parents have begotten us into earthly life, but that God has begotten us again into everlasting life. When Jesus Christ suffered on the cross, his mother Mary stood at the foot of the cross and mourned his suffering. Jesus' body, which had inhabited Mary's womb for nine months, was broken and bleeding, persecuted and pierced. And Mary stood helplessly as her son Jesus Christ hung his head in the locks on his shoulder and he died. The body that was begotten by Mary ceased to live. And those who were there did the only reasonable thing that one can do with a dead body. They buried it. But three days later, something happened to the dead buried body that Jesus Christ had inhabited. Paul gives us a logical premise for that event in 1 Corinthians chapter 50 verse 15, chapter 15 verse 50 rather. Now this I say brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of flesh and blood. We cannot inherit or inhabit the kingdom of God while in these flesh and blood bodies begotten by our parents, which are subject to corruption, which means decay. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And when Jesus rose physically from the dead, Peter experienced this reality. As Peter and the other disciples were discussing their initial post-resurrection experiences with Jesus Christ on that first Easter Sunday, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 24 verse 36, Now as the disciples said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of the disciples and said to them, Peace to you. Now the disciples were discussing their various sightings of the living Jesus Christ after his resurrection, but when Jesus appeared bodily in the room in which they were, Luke chapter 24 verse 37 records, but the disciples were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Jesus did not come to the meeting to scare the disciples, but rather to give the disciples the proof that they needed to believe in his physical resurrection from the dead. Luke chapter 24 verse 38 and 39 records, And Jesus said to the disciples, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see, I have. The resurrected Jesus Christ told the disciples to handle his flesh and bones. Interestingly, the disciples did not have to worry about getting blood on their hands. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 tells us, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Jesus Christ 
shed his blood on Calvary to make atonement for our souls. Jesus Christ did not mention his blood to, to the disciples because after his resurrection, he had none. The blood in our bodies that gives us life is that which leads to our corruption. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, his incorruptible body had no blood because Jesus had put off the mortal life of the corruptible body to put on the immortal life of the incorruptible body. Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary to make atonement for our souls. Luke chapter 24 verse 40 tells us when Jesus had said this, he showed the disciples his hands and his feet. And Jesus Christ identified himself by showing his disciples his hands and feet because of the holes from the nails that had pierced him. Although the holes were there, the wounds were not bleeding. Jesus went so far as to tell Thomas, the one disciple who was not in the meeting on resurrection evening, in John chapter 20 verse 27, then Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And the disciples believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and was worthy of worship, not, not just because of his works or his doctrine, but because, as 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 tell us, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Jesus Christ gave his disciples a physical lesson on the difference between the corruptible and the incorruptible, between the mortal and the immortal. Jesus Christ gave the disciples a physical lesson on the difference between the life begotten by a man's parents and the life begotten by God. The opportunity to handle Jesus Christ's physically resurrected incorruptible body after Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead is that which convinced the disciples to put their lives on the line in defense of their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Peter certified to the churches in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty the Christian church of which Peter was a part was not based upon a private vision a myth or a fairy tale Jesus did not just appear bodily to Peter or even just to the 11 disciples. Jesus appeared to hundreds of men who completely understood the concept of life and death. These were men that wrestled nets filled with fish into boats, watched the fish die as the air suffocated them, and then filleted the fish in order to provide food for people. Life and death were part of their everyday existence. And these men certainly knew the difference between someone who was alive and someone who was not. Paul tells the church 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 8. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that Jesus Christ was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, Jesus Christ was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the presence, but some have fallen asleep. After that, Jesus Christ was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, Jesus Christ was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. And Peter began his letter to us by informing us that his faith rests on the physical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus proved his faith by voluntarily and fearlessly giving his own life in defense of his faith of Jesus Christ. And why did Peter give his life? Peter gave his life for gain. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 that both he and all of us who believe in Jesus Christ have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter staked his existence on that which he saw and handled. Peter volunteered to give up his very life on earth because his experience with the resurrected Jesus Christ convinced him that, as the old preacher used to say, there is another land where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary will be at rest. The testimony of history is that death is inevitable. There is no one on earth that is 200 years old. If you have earthly life today, regardless of how old you are, it is certain that you will not have earthly life in 2213. Last December 21st, the world was supposed to come to an end. Obviously it didn't because we are still here talking about it. But man has been predicting the end of the world for the last 2,000 years. Paul wrote the second chapter of the book of the book of Second Thessalonians to reassure the Thessalonian Christians that Jesus had not returned already because some of them had been deceived by a false prophet into thinking that Jesus had returned, the church had been raptured, and that they had missed it. Why has there been all this fascination throughout the centuries with the date of the end of the world? Simply because Religious men want to avoid death. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 17, which describes the rapture, makes it clear that those who are alive when Jesus comes back for his church will not die. Paul teaches, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep meaning dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, 
and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The generation of Christians who are alive when the Lord descends from heaven will be changed from mortal to immortal without having to first die as Jesus did. And people want to be part of that generation so that they can avoid death. But Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24 verse 37 through 42. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, there is no point in trying to predict the date of the rapture. Because the rapture will come on a day that no one expects it. Anyone that predicts the date of the rapture is automatically wrong because the rapture will be on a day that no one predicts. Thus, there is no point in thinking about the date of the end of the world. But there is a point in thinking about the date of our own personal death because whether the whole world ends during our lifetime or not, our own personal lifetime on this earth is going to end and of that you can. Be sure. And Peter, who physically handled the body of Jesus Christ after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, assures us that rather than considering the end of the world, we should prepare for the inevitable eventuality of our own death by changing our thinking, our focus, and our behavior. First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 through 16 tells us, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, because as he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. In Old Testament times, the Jews considered themselves to have received grace, meaning having their sins forgiven because of their sacrifices to God. God told the Jews in Leviticus chapter 4, verse 32-35, If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they shall kill where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin, offer, sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar, according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed, and it shall be 
forgiven him. But the system of animal sacrifices that God developed had the unfortunate side effect of making the Jews unconcerned about their sins as long as they had sufficient animals to kill to atone for their sin. And David, that great sinner, tells us the truth about God, which he recognized after he sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm chapter 51, uh, number 51, verse 16 and 17. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. So God actually does not want the animal sacrifices of which he told the Jews. God actually wants us to be brokenhearted, contrite, and repentant. Meaning that God wants us to change our desire to commit sin because repentance leads to the holiness of which Peter speaks. Holiness is nothing more than a fervent desire to please God by keeping his commandments. To be saved, we need holiness because God knows our hearts and will judge us. Peter continues in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 21. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in faith, in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your elders but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, Peter saw the miracles that Jesus Christ performed, turning water into wine, the great catches of fish, the feeding of the 5,000, the various healings, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Seeing all those great miracles did not give Peter holiness. Seeing those miracles gave Peter loyalty to Jesus and incentive to vilely protect him, to curse and to swear as he cut the ears off of those that sought to take Jesus to trial. But seeing and handling the resurrected body of Jesus Christ completely changed Peter's perspective. Peter realized that the temporary things of this life, including life itself, are actually meaningless because of their temporary nature. Our earthly life is going to end. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ teaches us that we can have eternal life and that we should use this life on earth to repent of our sins in order to, re in order to prepare for the eternal life which is to come. Peter's perspective changed. Catching fish was no longer important to Peter. John chapter 21 verse 2 through 6 records, Simon Peter 
Thomas called the twin and Nathaniel of, Gal of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any food? They answered him, No. Then he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. John immediately recognized that which was happening and told Peter. John chapter 21 verse 7 through 13 records, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the, plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they began to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And, after, and then after breakfast came the experience that changed Peter. John chapter 21 verse 15 through 19 records. So when Jesus and the disciples had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter a second, again a second time, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This Jesus spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken, this Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And after this conversation, fishing was no longer important to Peter. Peter no longer felt the need to cut anyone in order to protect Jesus. Peter recognized that the only vocation on earth with eternal significance was that of convincing people about the reality of the deity of Jesus Christ. 
the historical reality of Jesus' virgin birth, Jesus' miracles, Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross of Calvary, and most importantly, Jesus' physical resurrection from the dead. And Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And let us recognize, as Peter did, that the temporary things of this world have no eternal significance and that our only duty with eternal significance is pursuing holiness, conforming our life to that of Jesus Christ and spreading his gospel. And as 1 Peter chapter 17, chapter 1, verse 17 through 21 tells us, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning for this lesson today and we ask you, Lord, that you would allow us to call on you and your precious son Jesus Christ. Give us Lord the type of confident assurance that you gave Peter when we when you met with him and asked him if he loved you. Allow us to have an experience Lord that will give us that same confident assurance that we might be able to put ourselves on the straight and narrow and spend our time conforming our lives to that of Jesus Christ and spreading his gospel. We believe in you, Lord, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith and hope are in you. And now, Lord, we thank you for all that are in the house today and we ask you, Lord, that you would give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by this presentation. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com.